Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Now to our weekly dose of inspiration. I'm really happy to be here with Shania Richards, who is a 23-year-old from Port Lincoln. And Shania became the first regional female Aboriginal youth governor of South Australia in 2022, this year. Last year, she joined the Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation Committee, where she helped create the Youth Justice Bill for the Age of Criminal Capability as Assistant Manager and Main Sponsor for debating the bill in the Legislative Council. Shania is currently organising the Youth Parliament Program of South Australia for this year as the elected Youth Governor. So, Shania, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Awesome to have you. And how's your day going today so far? Yeah, pretty good. Just doing some, like, finalised on our youth parliament program that's starting on Saturday. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, that's very current this Saturday. So tell us what exactly will happen on Saturday. Yeah. So um, on Saturday, all of our task force and our regional participants will be arriving on site and we'll start preparing for our resi week. So basically what happens is that the bills that we have wrote within our committees and been working on all year, we'll finally be able to debate them and yeah, hopefully make some productive change. Well, yeah, speaking of change, I understand that previously you were involved with a pretty big bill and a a massive achievement. You know, can you walk us through what that was with the, uh, you know, age of criminal capability? Yeah, yeah. So um, last year, I was lucky enough to be to sign up for the program, and I ended up getting put into the Aboriginal Affairs and Reconciliation Committee, which is something I was really passionate about, of course. And um, being in there, I was actually promoted to like um, assistant minister and main sponsor for the bill. And the bill that we worked on, it was in regards to raising the age of criminal capability, and like. A lot of research that we've done and all the discussions we had in our committee were around, like, you know, the high representation of Indigenous incarceration and how there's no help for prevention, there's no help for, like, when they actually get out and rehabilitation. And it was really, really concerning that this was such a strong issue in our community where we each all had experiences within this or we knew someone that had experience within this and it was such a wide scope where you know just personally I believe children shouldn't be put in jail with other criminals when they don't actually know the consequences of their actions you know Mm. sometimes they're unaware or they have disabilities or they have other issues that they cannot fix themselves and so they need support and help but because of the way the system is right now there isn't that much out there for people. And even when there is, there's a lot of shame and stigma about it too. And a lot of people just feel like they have no hope, especially, you know, repeating and getting out of jail to actually come back and do more criminal activity to get put back in jail because jail feels like home. And it really hurt me growing up that I knew people that felt like that, that they would rather be in jail because at least they cared about them. And that's not quite fair. And so I was very lucky to actually get with a group of people that had the same vision that I did and the same morals and beliefs and even just believing in the same ethics of that, you know, that someone's loved one. They should be treated with respect and love, you know, even if they did make a mistake once. And so, yeah, I was lucky enough to go into chamber and debate that after doing a lot of research and writing it with um, my peers. And then when I got to debate it, it was really emotional. I didn't think I would react so strong and emotionally, but um, yeah, I full on, <laughs> I don't know, just spoke my heart and my truth and everyone listened and it was really remarkable because the bill ended up getting passed and both houses. I was lucky enough to be able to debate it in um, the Legislative Council, so the Red Room, <laughs> and that was really awesome. And, um, yeah, it got passed on to senior government and um, it was actually spin out, but the new uh, Attorney General we have, he actually was my mentor that year regarding the bill and he actually has been addressing the bill and raised it up into senior government this year wow. and so that was really like remarkable <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> I was hugely, just like, wow hugely powerful change and amazing that you know that i guess topic that you're so passionate about is really you're putting it in front of the right people now yeah and so you know 
I suppose I'm somewhat across politics, but obviously not as much as you, Shania. Can you talk us through, you know, now that it's in that front of that senior government, what are the kind of the next steps for them? What do they have to do to, I guess, help yeah. push that through? Yeah, so with um, how senior government will work, they will have to go through their rounds of debating and, of course, like amending the bill and like adjusting it to be, I guess, more realistic for practical use in today's time, which would is, is a big process in itself. But I'm just happy that we've been brought this like topic onto attention of senior government. That's a big thing in itself. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the change that people try to advocate for doesn't actually go somewhere but i have a good feeling that this will actually get the ball rolling and hopefully just even start that topic of discussions with everyday people of hang on is is this the right thing that we are doing or can we make it better and yeah it's really it's really well just getting that ball rolling for sure and it's so true what you said about just getting that into the you know a bit more of a conversation piece for people hopefully something that people become aware of and uh seems to me that it just makes sense what you're talking about, that why yeah. wouldn't they make that change? Yeah, definitely. And because it's one thing to, like, change a law, but you also have to change the minds of everyone else who follows that law. And so just being able to, like, bring this to people to be able to, like, hang on, huh, and start that, that question thinking. And, yeah, I'm hoping that eventually we'll be able to see some better programs come out for the outcome and just be able to, you know, be more considerate and respectful of the future leaders because these kids are all going to grow up and inherit this world and it's not fair that we break them and give them a broken world. So, you know, why don't we just start healing the intergenerational trauma? Well, we can. (laughs) And, you know, working together is for the greater good. And one thing that I did make sure and I kept saying in my speeches was that at the end of the day, I may be advocating for Indigenous beliefs and Indigenous rights, but at the end of the day, I'm also advocating for human rights because no child, race, gender or colour or religion should ever be put into that situation if yep. we could help it, you know. And it was just really well just to have everyone else have that realisation as I was talking to them because a lot of people came up to me after the debates and they were like, wow, we never thought about that. We had no idea of mm. anything until you talked about it and it just made sense. It just clicked that, yeah, we can do something better. And so for me that was really, really, like, remarkable. That was more than I ever wished I could achieve just to help people have that little moment of clarity like, hey, huh, <laughs> there's something we can be improving together. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's amazing. So can I ask, you know, going back a step, I suppose, you mentioned at the start that, you know, last year was your first time being involved with Youth Parliament and obviously yeah. the, to be so involved and have such a, a massive role in getting that bill through. How did you initially get involved in the first place? Yeah, so it's actually quite funny. It happened like on a random coincidence. <laughs> My background as well, I went to university to perform, like to learn how to be like an Aboriginal actor, singer and dancer. And so um, I went to WAPA for that. But then after I came back from uni and I went to chef school, I came back to Port Lincoln just to, like have a mental health break. I started doing acting with a local company called Patches Productions. And it was just like a non-for-profit like Christian group where we like to give performances to the community for free just to help entertain people and yeah so we were in rehearsals and one of my friends that I made came up to me his name's Dylan Cowley and he was just like hey I think you will like this program it's called Youth Parliament and I was just like oh if it's to do a parliament I won't be allowed to he's like wait what do you mean and I was like well because you know I'm a woman I'm not a lawyer I'm aboriginal like there's all these things that prevent me from standing in that room because you know no one else has been in that room before me. So why would I be allowed to be there, you know? And then he was just like, um, I think you should just apply. You'll be amazing. Like, I know you like politics, just do it. And I was like, no, I'm not good enough. Like, I can't do that. It's impossible. Like, I'm not fancy enough. I can't even talk English properly. Like, I don't even look the part. Like, I can't, I can't, I just can't. <laughs> and so um, 
And he was like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then he left it. And then a few weeks passed and we were in rehearsals again. And then him and his partner came up and they were like, hey, did you think more about applying for youth parliament? And I was just like, uh, yeah, but I still can't. Like, I can't afford it. I can't travel. And they were like, you know what? You should just apply right here, right now. And I was like, what? And they're like, we're not leaving until you apply. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. I'll put, I'll put in the expression of interest. And so I applied for it. And then a few months passed. They double checked and they were like, "Hey, did you did you did you hear anything did you hear anything back yet?" And I was like, "No, not yet." They're like, "Okay, okay." And then I was actually in a working on a construction site at that time, where I got the email and it was funny, but I had like run back to like a little cabin and like start screaming and dancing because I got in. So I was just like, "Wow, I'm gonna be like a real youth parliamentarian, a real politician. Oh my god, like a decision maker." <laughs> and so like I was just like so happy and I was like happy dancing. And then I like message like Dylan and his partner, and I was like, "Thank you guys so much for like making me apply. Like I never believed I'd be allowed to even do that." Shout out to Dylan for persisting, <laughs> but uh, shout out to you for doing it. That's awesome, and it sucks that we're in 2022 and it's the first time there's been a regional female Aboriginal youth governor. But I'm happy for you that you've done it, that you've broken through, and hopefully now there'll be other people in similar situations who look and say, "Hey, um, Shania's done it." Yeah. So maybe I can do it too. Yeah. That's really cool. Now, you mentioned a few things here. I've just got to quickly touch on it. So you're into parliament and politics. You know, obviously you're the youth governor for SA, which is pretty cool. You did acting and dancing school at university, chef, working in construction. Like you're very (laughs) multi-talented. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, that's full on, like so many different things. Like I can't do any of those things. So that's pretty cool. What do you think, you know, of all those kind of things has been, you know, your favourite or that you'd love to throw yourself into, whether it's moving forward or just something you've done already? Oh, this is like, oh, there's so much. Like, I fall in love with kind of bit of anything and everything. I love being involved just having experiences and going on adventures but one of the most favorite things that I've ever got to do recently was um, working with the army and doing training with them out in the national parks it was amazing because they took us like abseiling down like these big giant bloody cliffs and then took us like kayaking around these islands and took us on the boats and it was really cool just training with them and I guess learning about what they actually do like in the military and I guess overseas when they go on their missions and that was really magical experience and I just spun out because I previously I kind of saw them all as like these big scary killing machines and that's all I knew like I thought like from the tv shows and the movies they look so scary like oh my god they can kill you in a second if they wanted to like huh and so actually getting to know them as like humans and individuals was really spin out because I was like oh wow you have families you have friends you have a whole life like you have passions and dreams and hopes and it made me really really like wow just to see that side of the industry that Mm. Ah, oh, it was really incredible just to have the opportunity with the army. And I guess another thing that I was lucky enough to do, because um, I have a secret love of like gaming as well as like other stuff. And um, I, I, I love I love a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I was recently able to do a First Nations virtual reality immersion storytelling lab with um, South Australian Film Corporation. And so they flew in some experts from like London and around the whole a place I guess that will actually like um really really professionals in their industries with VR and immersion technology and all that stuff and they came and taught us from scratch I guess how to make your own VR experience yeah. and it was awesome because I got to work in like a group that was passionate about the same thing and I never knew that was something that we could do or explore with because I love gaming I love technology I love oh I love learning <laughs> and it was just so cool that that was a thing because I thought, again, you had to have the money, you had to have the resources, you had to have the connections to even get started, to even start dabbling with that stuff. And no, they showed us like how easy it could be now. And I was just like, wow. And so um, I was working with my concept group that we got and we ended up signing little contracts to make um, the first ever Aboriginal horror experience. And it's going to be like a psychological thriller type of thing, but um, it's also like a commentary on mental health. And I guess through my experiences and the other 
boys in the group that women, their experiences as well with mental health is something we really wanted to bring into the game that, you know, even though it's like an innocent game at first, it's still a metaphor on how you can achieve the great infinite, I guess, just by following one light and realising that sometimes when you're in the darkness, maybe that you are the light and you've got to light your way out to get out of your depression or whatever it is. But, yeah, it was really cool that we actually got to make that concept and then we had an investor to actual, we had to pitch it to actual investors. And that was really scary. Like, I don't know why that freaked me out the most. Like, I was just shaking and, like, oh, I, like, I never, even though I do a lot of public talking and stuff, I never get used to it. Really? <laughs> I'm always nervous. And it's so, it was so scary because I was so passionate about it. And I felt like every time they asked the question, I, f- I was kind of scared, like, oh, my God, they're not going to like it. They hate my idea. But then they were like, oh, my God, that's so great. What, 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 how far do you want to go with this? Really? And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oof, I don't know. Oh, my gosh, I didn't think anyone would like it. <laughs> well- You've debated a bill in youth parliament and uh, pitched a game to investors. I think you're doing pretty decent. What what do you reckon are some tips on uh, if you have to go into those kind of, uh, you know, scenarios? How have you gone about it? Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess um, for me, like growing up the way I kind of did, for me, having these opportunities is a luxury. And so when I get offered an opportunity, I make sure and try to put my hand up as much as possible and just be present in that moment because all your worries and all your stresses of yesterday, you know, can be left at the door when you walk into a new adventure and you can just be fully immersed in that experience and in the moment. And it's really cool. But just being able to have the courage and bravery to put your hand up for something is really awesome. And even if you get knocked back, like, you know, at least you tried. And all you could do is keep trying. And I definitely say, like, anything you want to do in life is worth putting your hand up and trying because you're only going to have this life once. So you better make the best of it while you can, you know. And sometimes none of these opportunities come back again. And so you might as well take it while you can and just enjoy it fully. Like, just make the most out of it. And especially coming out of the COVID period and everything, like, that was a really big, hard time for everyone. And there wasn't much happening, you know. We, mm. the, we felt like we weren't allowed to do much as well. So now it's just giving yourself that allowance, being I'm allowed to have this experience for me. I'm allowed to follow my dreams or chase that passion or experience that moment that I've wanted to, definitely. You might have seen me. I was uh, looking away, typing some notes in because I was r- writing down the timestamp. I was like, oh, get these quotes. These are- <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Awesome, awesome quotes and just yeah great message like even for me as soon as you said that like you know when you get this life once like i just think that's a great message and something we can you know always remember yep i uh this is such a great chat because we're getting so sidetracked but in the best possible way because <laughs> uh, there's so much i didn't realize about you so um but i do want to ask you know we talked about dylan and uh dylan was encouraging you to get involved with youth parliament and that was awesome last year so this year you've been elected as the youth governor, how did that process come about? And uh, is that something else that, you, you know, you put your hand up thinking, I'm going to just give this a go? Yeah, yeah. So, again, it was very similar to the Dylan situation. On the second last day, we actually had our youth governor um I guess, nominations. So you put your name in and then you have to give a two-minute speech and then go through the whole interviewing process, I guess. And then... I saw that opportunity and I was like, nah, like I'm not leader material. Hell no. And then again, as the friends that I made at Youth Parliament, they were like, uh, that's Shania's name written all over it. Shania, you have to apply. And I was just like, no. But then when it got to the fifth person saying it, I was like, oh my God, this is a sign. Like, this is a sign. Like, I have to go do it now. Like, oh my gosh. And so I raced down to the nomination room like 10 minutes before lunch finish. And that's when nomination is going to be shut. <laughs> I raced down and like filled out a form quickly and then I put it in and yeah from there I had like make my like speech up and I didn't really I hadn't I had like only like not even half an hour to do that before the um, speeches started and then it was funny because in the speech um I said a lot but um the last sentence I said was like you know there has never been a powerful black follower because everyone's scared of a powerful black follower so you know what else is there to be 
no one wants to see a powerful black fella like me. And then next minute, all the kids were like, yeah, Audrey, Audrey, I want to see one. I want to see one. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh no. And then um, on the last day of youth parliament, after we finished our debates for the day and our adjournment speeches, we had um, the moment where they call out the youth governor's name. And I was like sitting there and listening to their speech. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. But then I noticed like the youth governor kept looking at me and I was like hang on why are you looking in my direction while you're saying these words like hang on <laughs> hang on because I was describing someone and I was like uh-oh and my heart started racing and then he was just like Shania Richards and I busted out crying I didn't mean to but it felt like I won the lottery I was yeah. just like ah and I, like, I started crying and like everyone's like oh my god like clapping and like they like helped me get up and oh my god I was just like shock I was in shock it was like to me it was felt like I was winning the Oscars or a Grammy or something like that like it was just like wow I finally get this opportunity to help as much as I want (laughs) and so it was incredible and so I got up and um got to take a photo with um the current well, the governor, youth governor at the time, which was Dante, and the guy who actually made the whole youth parliament program. So he was like um, the first youth governor ever. And it was awesome because oh, it, was, it felt so magical and historical. And in that moment, I couldn't help it but think, you know, my ancestors would be so proud to know that I fought so hard to just get in that room and their sacrifices never went to nothing. And oh, it was just so such a magical historical moment for me. And I didn't even realise the impact I had on everyone else just by being myself mm, finally yeah. and being in that moment. And uh, it was it was so magical because I never knew where I belonged or what I felt like was my calling until that moment. Wow, that's really cool. You know, that was obviously then and been organising youth parliament all year so far. And as yeah. you said at the top, uh, this this Saturday, you're all meeting in person for the first time for the year so what exactly will will happen when you guys all meet up yeah we just went through the schedule last night at our recent task force meeting and so basically the first day the regionals and the leaders will be arriving and the leaders will be going through some training workshops about their roles so they'll be like our whips our premiers all that stuff and then on the second day all the other participants will arrive on the Sunday and then we'll have a day where we prepare them for how to be in chambers we'll do like a run through um, a few more workshops and some more parliamentary I guess more intensive like workshops about like speech writing and how to be present in the room and how to listen and then on the Monday will be our first day in chamber (laughs) and so we'll start by having like an opening ceremony which I'll be like running and be doing a lot of speeches in and then just like doing all the formal things of like welcoming everyone into chambers and yeah everyone's getting to finally have the first debate um, which will be like the youth governor's motion of public importance which I wrote which is going to be very interesting because um, I did a topic about combining like VR with driver's license so to get your driver's license you have to go undergo a full simulation before you can actually be eligible to get it and I guess for elder people they will have to rego that simulation to continue driving if they have like, um, I guess, you know, an offence where they start falling asleep at the driving wheel, they'll be sent back to go do that test to see what bad habits they have. Yeah. And so that will be that for them to debate first off. And then after that, they'll have to start debating their own bills. And it will be really interesting to see because we have some very, very, very incredible bills this year. And they're all such broad topics that, anyone and everyone can relate to or know someone that had that issue and oh it was just spin out going through the bills and seeing what's going to happen but then yeah after that we're gonna have two more days of like no another day in chamber again and then we're going to have a recreational day so that's a day where we're going to have fun and we just like do things to like calm down from like the the hype of the chambers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and get ready for the last two days and um yeah there'll just be a whole lot of fun games and then On the next day, so the Thursday, we'll have the day in chamber again. But then after that, we're going to have like a little disco for everyone so they can like dance whatever happens, the outcomes. (laughs) And then on the Friday, we'll have most of our German speeches. And then we'll have the closing ceremony and the new youth governor for 2023 will be announced. And did you get to announce that? 
Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, it'll be so exciting. Yeah. So uh, it'll be the same as last year, but obviously you'll be the one at this time looking yep. at someone. I never think of <laughs> Yes. Painful awesome. circle. Yeah. Wow. Very intense week, but uh, obviously some good fun things thrown in there as well. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And the wonderful thing is that everyone who's helped organize this has all been volunteers of the program from previous years. And so everyone has like really good experience with being a participant as well as knowing how to help. And so, yeah, it's, it's really awesome just having that support base with other youth who are also similar minded in the sense that they want to volunteer their time to help give someone else that magical moment. Yeah, for sure. So that's obviously all happening uh, very soon. And something else that happened very recently, obviously we had NADOC week, NADOC week, which reminds me, I had my notes here for my intro, but I got thrown off a little bit because, you know, just to let listeners know, I had a bit of a microphone issue uh, initially when we joined the call and I had to shut the call down and start it back up again. But I had meant to acknowledge that I'm recording actually on Bunurong country uh, today in Victoria. And so I wanted to ask you as well where you were recording from, because I know Port Lincoln is a, a regional area and uh, yeah some people may not know you know where that is in south australia yeah so yeah i'm calling it from kalyala which is the native word for port lincoln and it's bungalow country and uh, speaking of nadoc you actually recently won an award can you tell us a little bit about that yeah oh so that was also quite an experience i was lucky enough to win the caring for country award which is very spin out but um as I said earlier, I was doing some work with construction. Um, I was actually a cultural heritage monitor and consultant. And so I would go out and like make sure they don't desecrate the sacred sites, um, make sure they're protecting the environment and that if they come across any artifacts or bones or remnants of my culture and history of that tribe in the area, then that, you know, they have to be respectful, call in the archaeologists and do all that stuff properly. And so, yeah, basically holding big corporations accountable Mm. in that sense of you can't just destroy the land for your production and then expect it to be okay because there's rules and there's things and there's stuff in that area that you may not be aware of and bad things can happen to you if you go and desecrate something and so we want to make sure you're doing it right and safe and being protected in that sense and so yeah that was very that was a very um intense experience of course and yeah it was very interesting that they noticed that (laughs) I was helping that sense because um again I'm very passionate in protecting the country and the land because if we don't look after it then how can we hand it over to the next custodians and the future generations and so yeah that was very very interesting that I was allowed to engage in that with that situation and work with that and it was spin out that they've noticed like other people noticed that I was doing that What are what would be some of the main risks, you know, in, in terms of your your role there in protecting the land and caring for country? Like you mentioned, the corporations. Is it some mining companies, or are there other things going on there that are that is a danger? Yeah, yeah. So um, again, it, it really depends on what region and the timing of projects and whatnot. But in that particular project, it was in regards to them building a power line across South Australia. So from Port Augusta down to Port Lincoln, they're building this big giant power lines that was going to interact with um, native title holders land that was just giving back to the people and then instead of like you know being respectful about it they were just like oh we need to build this and that's that like you know there's no say there's no negotiations yeah and so then you know we had to all negotiate and try and like work out a better form of them just destroying and desecrating things and so yeah this situation came out of it but um it was very, it's very hard for me to even understand that, you know, that's a thing. Like, there should be respect in all parts, all over the country, everywhere, because that is someone's home, you know? And it's just been out that, yeah, there's companies that go around thinking that money can buy everyone and money's going to fix a problem. Because the way that art was taught growing up, you can't take money to the grave. Like, you know, like, that's just silly. And so, yeah, it really hurt me to see the way people, around Australia and the guests from my different tribes that I'm, I belong to, the different ways they handled 
their customs, depending on the monetary value, really affected me because there were some people who would sell out mm. and, like, let corporations destroy sacred sites and destroy these protected lands because of money. And yeah. this didn't feel right. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to, but, like, I wanted to be involved with doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that sounds like it's, you know, super important, but it's also, like, really tricky. Yeah, very touchy, yeah, and because everyone has different attitudes about it and it was very interesting. An incident that happened on the site, we had one of the big, big bosses come on the site and he was the one who, like, wrote all the pro- like wrote all the protocols for this program. He came onto the site. He wasn't wearing any PPE gear. He walked, rocked up in an unmarked car and he started walking behind all these big, heavy machineries and then he walked into the sacred women's site and, you know, men business Men's aren't allowed to walk into women's site, um, sacred women's spots, because of reasons. And yeah, he walked in there and he was taking photos and everything about it. And everything he was doing was everything he said no one else was allowed to do, like in the rule book. But then he, he was wasn't allowed that. to do it. And then it was really annoying. But like my nana got really upset and she went and called him out on it. It was like, you know, you can't do that. You're going to get sick. Like, black fall away. What you just done is like, you know, you're punishable. Like something's going to punish you now. Like you're going to feel that negative energy coming because you've done wrong to your sacred site. And then he was like, like, oh, I'm not religious. I'm not superstitious. I don't believe in any of that. And we're like, then why are we here? Like if you don't believe in Aboriginal culture, then, mm. you know, what, what's that meant to mean? And so that really hurt me and offended them as well. And seeing the attitude was really not on. And... This wasn't cool. And then it got even a bit more worse. So with like it got really sexist because like I was like one of the only women's on site and there was heaps of other men, creepy old men, and it just wasn't really suitable to like, you know, it wasn't respectful at all. And it really upset me because like there was nothing like I talked to my superiors about everything that was happening and no one ever got back to me. And then they just stopped giving me shifts because they thought that I was a troublemaker. And then that really made me feel no good. But then to get a big award about it and get, you know, all this praise for even trying to do something right made me feel a lot better because I felt like such a failure. Like I felt like I failed my ancestors and I failed the country and that I felt like I failed the next generations. But then getting that award, they were just like, it was great you even did that. Like you stood the grounds. Yeah, and I was just like, wow, like thank you. Like I thought I was nothing <laughs> in that situation and so to have that and to realize there's other allies too that do want to do the right thing really made me like have hope against just for humanity like it was only that one percent that was being silly because they must have been compliant or something but there's everyone else that are really willing to change and together and so yeah kind of gave me hope again (laughs) to keep up the good fight and just make sure that what we're doing is right and that the next generations won't have to struggle the way we did yeah, sounds like a really hard situation, but um, yeah, that's great that you got that recognition for standing up because that you know that was the hardest thing to do. It would have been much easier to just let let it slide. Yeah, yep. That's why we love awards so much because it, it does share those. You know, it's not always about something happy, a happy yeah. achievement. That's a hard. That was actually a pretty, like you said, you felt at the time it, you hadn't done the right thing, but you you know obviously you had. Yep. So yeah, that's why we love awards. And obviously, I didn't mention at the top, but you were a finalist in the Spirit Super uh, Connecting Communities Award, part of the Young Achiever Awards for South Australia. And, uh, yeah, how was that experience for you and, and, you know, going to the awards night and all of that? Oh, that was awesome. It was actually unfortunate. I wasn't able to make it for the awards night because um, travel different and sickness, of course. But um, I really, 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 really was so happy that everyone that was, I saw that I got an award, I knew them somehow. And it was spit out because, like, it was people that I've met randomly on these opportunities and they got the opportunity to be in this as well. And it was so magical and I was just so happy. And in particular with the award that I was nominated for, it was so cool. But um, the fellow who actually won, he was one of my best friends of Youth Parliament last year. Oh, wow, really? And so I was just like, wow, because when we saw we got nominated, together we're like oh my god wow (laughs) we did it and it was so cool and so supportive because we're just like whoever wins at least you know we're representing we're doing it we did it (laughs) and because um we both had similar like mental health struggles that we talked about last year a lot too it was just so empowering just to see that 
we can support each other and continuously no matter what and that we're allowed to and that was awesome and that was so magical and I just love that whole opportunity of being able to support and learn about others achievements so that we can continue looking out for each other and helping each other wherever we go on our life's journey and I really really love that whole experience it was magical and even just the way like um I guess like how the announcements were like made and stuff too was really cool because you're like burning with anticipation because you're like oh who did it who support who can I support oh my god (laughs) oh it was beautiful I loved it it was so magical and I'm just so happy that someone nominated me for it and like took the time to see that I was a part of those people that wanted to do change and wanted to do good and so that was magical sure that's what we always encourage people if they you know, they say, oh, I'm not sure if I should nominate them because what if they don't win the award? Yeah. And we always say, well, there's so many great reasons to nominate them. Yeah. You know, regardless, it doesn't matter if they're the winner or not. And as yeah. you said, that you know, it is cool seeing people's names. And I think that's one thing that really encouraged me the most is that I've noticed a big shift in the last, you know, I've worked in this, this company for eight years uh, and people now really are supporting one another. Whereas previously yeah. it was a bit more like, I'm a finalist, so I, I'm going to do what I, you know, try and win the award. I, I want to win it. But now it seems like it's actually taken a real turn that people are supporting each other and realizing that, hey, we're in this together. If one yep. of us wins, then, you know, we're going to support you and celebrate you. Yep, definitely. Yes. And oh, it's so beautiful. I'm so happy that's like now the attitude because I, I did grow up in that era where everyone was like competing for each other and competing for things. And it was so scary because um, I, I didn't, like I wasn't, I'm, I'm not really competitive in that way, <laughs> but in that time, everyone else like started hating me because of all the awards I was getting at school and stuff. And so like I was picked on for being like a nerd and I was bullied a lot because I was getting these opportunities and whatnot. And now as an adult, it's so magical to see that flip on its head mm. and be like, oh yes, like we can support each other. And it's so beautiful that we have that connection now and especially like oh, everything that can go wrong and happen in life. It's like, you're very lucky to be able to like wake up and breathe sometimes and just be able to wake up and just being able to wake up knowing that you know other people that you can, you have helped on their journey. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's a magical experience. <laughs> um, speaking of your, you know, growing up, um, am I right in saying that you didn't grow up in Port Lincoln? Um, yeah, so I kind of grew up between Port Lincoln, Kagali, and Esperance. Oh, okay, yeah. And so, yeah, what was uh, that experience like, you know, be- moving between, I suppose, you know, and they were all regional locations? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would like to say there wasn't anything wrong in my childhood, but uh, that's kind of a lie. <laughs> there was a lot that was really hard, and I guess um, we weren't, you know, we weren't rich or anything. Um, we weren't even really that stable, I guess, as, like, how families should be, I guess, in that sense. And um, it was really hard because we kind of stayed in Port Lincoln. I, so I grew up between Port Lincoln and Kalgoorlie, up and down the Nullarbor all the time. But um, kind of stayed down in Port Lincoln by the time my two brothers were born. And then my mum had my little sister and then mum and dad kind of like broke up and it got really messy with like mental health stuff. Dad was, like, incarcerated wrongly and then um, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and so um, that was really hard because he basically was, like, chucked in the system and he was, like, lost and they didn't know, you know, anything was wrong properly until they had to check his, check, do all that checkup stuff and so that was weird because dad just went missing was all that we knew and mum after a while she ran away with us to back across another board down to Esperance to stay but um she wasn't in the best state of mind either and she was very um suicidal <laughs> and so I kind of had a like save her from a lot of like suicide attempts and all that stuff and I was very young like yeah yeah younger than the age of eight and I didn't know that what was happening wasn't normal you know I just knew that I had to be the second parent and pick up where things went wrong and yeah so that that led to a lot of issues because um at school I had no friends at all I was very scared and jumpy and just really nervous and (laughs) I didn't know at the time but like yeah I kind of like self-sabotage myself a lot because I didn't know that 
I was allowed to be a kid, you know, and that all the other kids, I thought they were stupid because they were worrying about kid shit. But really, I should have been allowed to be a kid too yeah. at that age. And so it was really weird. But, yeah, I always took up more responsibilities than I should. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, after that, mum. You, you grew up real quick by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because like, I had siblings and I knew that for me to be able to sacrifice my childhood to give them one was worth it. And so, yeah, I made sure and did everything I could for my siblings <laughs> so they could have a good life and not have those memories that I may have. And, yeah, it, it was <sighs> apparently like my psycho- psychologist say, you know, it's not fair what happened, but in a sense I, I'm grateful it did because I would not be who I am today if I didn't go through what I went through. Yeah, from there, unfortunately, mum had to get institutionalised because I kept calling the police on her because I kept finding her dead. And so the police, they just, like, held her in the mental institutions and whatnot until she was better, I guess. But then um, in that time, we were going to be taken by welfare and so we were going to be split up. But then I ran away with my siblings until I found my nana and my auntie and then um, I, I begged them to take us in. Basically, otherwise, you know, welfare was going to split us up and I couldn't, I, I didn't want my children, yeah. my siblings to get split. And so, yeah, I ended up begging them to take us in and they, they were going to try for a bit. But then um, my auntie died. And then we, wow. yeah, that was a whole nother thing because we were with her when she died and the kids, you know, it was just such a bad situation because she went to the doctors for help. And they were being racist and said, oh, go home with Panadol. And so they sent her home with Panadol and then she died. And then the ambulance never came and then we had to, like, try and rush her to hospital. But at that time, um, because, like, mum and dad were gone, at that time the only sober person was me and I was a kid. Like, my nana was blue drunk, my auntie was blue drunk, my cousin was high as f- and then their partner was blue drunk. And so I couldn't do nothing and I didn't know CPR. None of us knew CPR. Yeah. It wasn't something we had the luxury to afford to go do a course about. And, of course, I was only eight at the time. So, so you had a kid, like, yeah. it, wasn't, it shouldn't have been your responsibility. Yeah. And so we had to carry her into the car and then took her to the hospital and I had to sit at the house with all the kids by myself and try and calm them down because we were freaking out. And so I tried to distract them with games. And I did that a lot. Like I tried to distract people with, like, fun things so they don't have to worry about bad things. Yeah, so that was unfortunate. But then they came back a few hours later and just by looking at their face, I knew it was bad news. And the kids didn't understand, you know, where auntie went or where mum went. Mm. And so that was very hard to try and help make them understand. Like that was the hardest thing I've ever had in my life is to try and help kids understand grief. And I was just a kid myself. Like I I didn't even know. And it was hard, but, yeah, after that, I guess mum ended up being able to come back from mental institutions and she took us in again after all of that. And mum tried her hardest from there on to be, like, the best mum ever. And she was. She was, like, the greatest single mother that could ever be. But, again, you only do so much when you only have so much support systems and resources in place. And we all were still very hurting about that death and that was really traumatising and... I guess that was like the main traumatic thing that happened until I was an adult. <laughs> but then another thing that was really weird, when I was at WAPA, I got one of my biggest roles ever. But the day that I got my biggest role and then we done the first like screen script reading, I got that call, that sorry business call. And so it turned out the other auntie that helped us through all that, I mean, she passed away as well right on that day. And I was just completely grief-stricken, and I just, I couldn't, because it felt like we just lost the other one so soon. And it was just really, really hard because I had to leave university, go straight back home for, like, sorry, business stuff, and it just, it uh, it really, really hurt, but that, those moments really did define me because everyone thought I would not come back to uni. Everyone thought I would just go back and, you know, be sad and maybe go back drinking and, you know, start abusing drugs and shit. But no, after I came straight back to uni, <laughs> like uh, I always push push through the pain. <laughs> that makes sense because in a way that anything that has happened, you know, you can easily get swallowed by your grief, but 
Yes. Again, it takes another person to get back up and use that growth for your launch pad. And I guess that's what I do. I didn't realize I do it, but uh, when I met with a recent mentor this year um, with book stuff after I published a, a poetry book. And then he told me that um, I had this thing. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you like to, ter- you like to terraform trauma into infinite possibilities. And I was just like, oh, 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 maybe I do. What? I did not realize that. But yeah, no matter what has happened in my little life, I I always try to bounce back because I've always been told, you know, you gotta be strong for everyone else. But I really do just like to try and be strong, not just for me, but for others as well. Because, you know, we only got this little life and we can't spend it being sad about things we can't change anymore and so you should look for things that you can change you know like awesome experiences (laughs) well uh, you say just a little life but wow you've experienced so much in uh, 23 years and I think what uh, that that mentor said was right it's your superpower taking on these experiences that uh, would be too much for some people and somehow just creating these possibilities and certainly listening to your stories uh, motivated me and inspired me to yeah, to know that whatever you go through, you can actually come out and still reach really great heights afterwards. Yep, definitely. Oh, wow. So, yeah, what an amazing experience you've had. And obviously, you know, where you are now is, is amazing. Can I ask you what, you know, going through everything that you've gone through, what is it that uh, inspires you? Yep. Well, definitely, like, for me, it's the people that helped me through everything. So, for example, like, the main fuel that kept me going throughout my childhood was for my siblings and for my cousins and my nieces and nephews. I knew that if I didn't do something that could help them, if I didn't show them the way, then they might get lost like I was lost. But I didn't have anyone to show me the way. And so, yeah, I just, like... I really, really, I don't mean to say that, but I really, really pressure myself to be someone to help others in the sense that I want to be someone that I never had growing up. And I guess that's kind of my fuel to keep going. Well, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up is because you you told me uh, off air that you watched this show growing up, that you watched Behind the News. Recently, you featured on an episode of that yeah how how, like perfect you know you're just saying about being somebody that others I suppose can uh can see and you you know you this is almost full circle you are are now on this show that you watched growing up so how did that all happen and and what was the episode about yeah so that was awesome um I was actually able to do some work experience with BTN this year or earlier this year and um they flew me up for two weeks and I got to work on set with them and do some things like um they let me take over their TikTok that was really fun um and then I got to do some script writing and filming and editing and even some acting with them and that was fabulous and then um after that they said, they said, you know, anytime I'm in the city, just come back and I can work with them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Like, oh, I love making friends with everyone. And um, then this year after, oh, same year, sorry, but um, this period after I just won the award, one of the friends that I made contacted me and they were like, hey, are you busy? And I was like, no, why? They're like, oh, are you doing anything? Like, do you mind if we interview you for um, a segment? And I was like, oh, sure, that'll be fun. And they're like, um, it's to do with NADOC. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, of course. Awesome. They're like, okay. And then um, they rang me up the other day and we had like a Zoom call and um, I got to talk about Amal. And she's so awesome. Like, oh, we made great friends when I was there. She's so fun. And it was awesome because, like, being able to, like, the interview felt like we were just best friends talking. <laughs> it was really awesome. And I loved it. And it was for now. And then um, she told me to watch it at 6 o'clock that night. And I was like, okay. So, like, me and my partner, we, like, sat down and we got to watch, like, um, the news break episode for NADOC. And, oh, my gosh, like, I was there for, like, a whole, like, minute on that segment. And I was like, oh, wow. And, like, it, it made me, like, start crying because I was just like, oh, like, I feel like a kid watching BTN again, but I'm on it. Like, on it yeah. oh, my God, there's me. Like, wow. Oh, and it, like, just made me feel like a little celebrity. I was just like, wow. Like, my child, like, oh, like, I felt like my inner child was, like fangirling like oh my god there's my hero 
Oh, it was Thank so you. awkward. But, oh, I loved it though. It was so sweet. And I'm just so grateful that they like, oh, they've done that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, if people want to connect with you and follow kind of your journey and, you know, see these cool little things that you keep experiencing, getting to be part of, which is amazing. Yeah, where, where, where can they kind of uh, connect you with you, I should say? Um, I kind of have everything on social media. So, like, um, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on TikTok even. Um, I do, like, gaming stuff online if you want to find me on Twitch. I do write, I do write stuff. Yeah, so if you just, like, maybe even Google my name, <laughs> something will pop up. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, Lady Shania Richards is how I, I think I found you on Instagram. So tell me about, because I've seen that, that uh, tag a little bit you know with lady um where'd that where'd that come from that's yeah. really cool um so my partner he has like scottish inheritance and so with one of the first paychecks i got from construction i brought him some land over in scotland and um over there the rule is if you buy a piece of land you automatically become a lady or a lord oh. and so i was just like oh my god we're lords and ladies now and that was like his our first anniversary present from me to him <laughs> that's amazing i love it well, yeah, it's definitely uh, you sound very royal, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> no, that's cool. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Super great chat. And I think if anyone wanted to, you know, read a bit more, then that article I mentioned earlier was on smashedav.com.au and you can just look up again, Shania Richards and smashedav. And I was, yeah, hope you don't mind me uh, plugging that because I just think that gives, you know, people extra context. And I think you're so interesting that people will want to, um, find out more so yeah it was great to have you as a finalist in the young achieve rewards and uh, and great to chat with you today thank you it's been awesome cheers thank you i hope you enjoyed that interview if you liked it or any of our other episodes it would be great if you can rate and review the inspirational australians podcast it really helps us out if someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration why not let them know about this podcast And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum and our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians. Or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run head to our website, awardsaustralia.com for more details. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.